Just Fantasy Baseball. We're back with another episode with your boys, Colby Olson and Clay Snowden, here to talk about some of the biggest performers of the second half so far, Clay. I want to talk about some names that are definitely available on the waiver wire and some that are not, but just guys that I'm excited about moving forward into 2024 because it, you know, we're in August, man. We have less than two months of the, the regular season left. So I think it's it's about time we start talking about just guys to have on your the back of your mind going into next year. So, Clay, how you doing, brother? I'm doing awesome, man. Going to the Reds game today with Arm Layton, who's supposedly coming into town at some point in time. So, um, looking forward to that. But yeah, I've got some names on here that are kind of junk, but at least interesting to discuss. Yeah, sounds good, man. Sounds good. I- I'm glad you're going to get to go to a Reds game with Arm. I know that he has never been to Great American Ballpark. Um, so it's there's only, I think, six stadiums left that he hasn't visited. So that's a that's really special for you to, to get to go with him. So I hope you enjoy that today. Um, hope you like first, Skyline Chili. I, I, I highly doubt he's ever had it. So we're going to get him a Coney today. Are you going to are you going to get it? I, I, yeah. Before we get into the episode, what's your Skyline Chili rating? Because I've seen pictures and I'm like, it looks really not that great but it's just one of those things that that like people just rave about because it's, it's fine culture thing there's nothing special about it at all people overhype it if you're from cincinnati people talk too much crap about it if you're not um cincinnati chili has this kind of like cinnamony taste to it or something and it's more of like a this is a gross word but like a slop than a chili it's a little waterier than like a chili that you may think of in the northeast or something so uh it's fine it's totally spaghetti like yeah it's just a weird spaghetti and chili is a pretty popular thing where i'm from like i grew up with i mean i guess it's just like spaghetti bolognese (laughs) yeah yeah with some cheese on it but anyways let's get into the episode i want to start today's episode talking about walker bueller's return So as you know, Walker is on every Monday episode of the Just Baseball show. And on the Just Baseball show, he said that he plans to throw to hitters as early as this week, August 8th. And so I want to talk about his potential return because on Yahoo, um, if you go to his little blurb news thing, it's like, oh, he's going to be returning very soon. And and his... um, his ownership has really crept up in the the past few days. I think he's around 40% on Yahoo right now. Um, So I just wanted to talk about that because he's said from the very beginning that he's been eyeing a September 1st return, which actually could give you some value in the playoffs down, down the stretch here. Um, It's very unlikely that he will be his full self when he comes back. I don't know. If Walker feels like Walker and he's throwing like Walker, though, I just wanted to point out how good he's been from 2018 to 2021. Walker Buehler had a 2.82 ERA clay that ranked fourth in baseball over that span, just behind Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and very far behind Jacob deGrom, who had an ERA over under under two over those three seasons, over those four seasons. But when healthy, 
uh, Walker Buehler is a top 10, if not top five pitcher in baseball. So it will be interesting to see where his stuff is at because we saw a velocity drop in 2020 or in 2019 and 2020, his velocity was right around 97 miles an hour, averaging 97 miles an hour. But in 2021 and last year in 2022, he was averaging a 95.5 miles an hour on his fastball. So I am very curious to see where the fastball velocity is. Um, But I don't think the Dodgers would be bringing him back if he is not himself. So I'm very excited. I I don't think it's the worst thing to pick him up and stash him on the IL if you have a space, especially if you're in like a little keeper league. Stash him on the IL. See if you can uh, keep him for next year. Yeah, I um, picked him up in my 10-person league, and he's on my IL. And hopefully he can give me something in the playoffs. Um, well, we have a name for you. And it's Yanyar Diaz, the catcher for the Houston Astros. This is a guy I recently picked up. Kind of a bizarre profile. Only walks 2.5%. And it's not like he's played in, you know, 20 games, and that's it. That's 244 plate appearances, 2.5% walk rate, but only a 17% K rate. He's hitting 273 this year with 14 home runs. I've recently picked him up. He has a 116 WRC plus from the catcher position. For whatever reason, he's not really rostered in that many leagues. Now, I know he's not playing every single day, but this is the type of player that you can still get value because when he is playing, he is producing enough that even his off days are better than like a lot of the catchers on the wire right now. If you look in a point points league, right? Let's say he gives you 15 points a week, even though he misses two games. That's better than the catcher who plays every game and gives you eight to 12 points total. So it's not always every single time this guy needs to be every single day player if they're producing enough when they do play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, it's it's kind of like a Francisco Alvarez light where he's just hitting nukes upon nukes upon nukes. Um, not many RBIs to show for it because he's hitting at the bottom of that lineup. Mm-hmm. But damn, Clay, I mean, he's hitting the ball hard. 45% hard hit rate, a 13% barrel rate, um, a 111 max exit velocity this year for him. Hitting the ball in the air a ton. Very interesting profile, Clay. I mean, in the second half, he's hitting over 300. He's striking out less than 15% of the time. I don't even care about walk rate. You're talking about fantasy baseball here. So if you're not in an on-base percentage league, he doesn't really hurt you at all. He's only That is only helping you if he's putting the ball in play more. And it's certainly working for him because he has a ton of power in there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in this profile. This is who he kind of was in the minor leagues too, Clay. I mean, only a a 6% walk rate in AAA last year. You know what's funny? You don't see this too often. His batting average on ball and balls and plays only it's 274 and his actual batting average is 273. You don't ever see them like that close to each other. You know what I mean? It, I don't know why I just found that interesting. That's what happens when, yeah, you don't walk at all and he doesn't yeah. strike out too much either. A lot of pop. So, um, no, he's interesting, man. I, I That's a good name, Clay. I mean, especially if you missed out or on a guy like Henry Davis, but even if you own a Henry Davis and you're looking for more power. I think Yonder Diaz absolutely gives you more power. I know Henry Davis went yard last night on a line drive shot that got out of uh, uh, what is it? American family field. What's the, what's Milwaukee now? Um, Something like that. I think it's American family field. I don't know, but anyways, 
I want to talk about James Outman for a second, Clay, because after the All-Star break, and this will be a theme for this episode, I want to talk about guys that have been performing after the All-Star break. So after the All-Star break, James Outman, 340 with two home runs, three doubles, four stolen bases, and a 20% K rate and 22% walk rate. That is really, really impressive from Altman, who had really struggled after his first month where he was extremely hot. And now he's starting to heat up again, an 80% zone contact rate and a 24% out of zone swing percentage are all um, above and below norms for this season for him. Now, the one thing with Altman here is that I don't know how sustainable this is, Clay. Only a 30 six percent hard hit rate and an average exit velocity of 86 miles an hour in the second half so like those numbers i think come with a little bit of a caveat so i don't know how long this will last but i also think that you should pick him up right now while he is this hot and while this dodgers lineup is this hot they had a crazy comeback last night against san diego and all of a sudden the score was 10 to 4 so yeah yeah, he's a talented player, and really what happened was, you know, he had that really, really good start to the season, and then he just started striking out constantly, all the time. I mean, it was pretty incredible how much he was striking out. Seeing that he actually has one more walk than strikeouts in the second half is a great sign. Even if all the data is not matching up yet with exit velocities and whatnot, it's the approach and his ability to take more pitches that really is a good sign for fantasy owners who not only want to pick him up for this year or have him for this year, but going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the name of the game, Clay. Swing it less pitches outside the zone, swing it more and make contact inside the zone. Good things happen. I have a name here. Do you? Just, just got called up. It's Curtis Mead for Tampa Bay. And Curtis Mead was called up, um, I think he's only played in one game, and maybe two games? I don't know. Either way, um, Curtis Mead, big-time prospect, in AAA this year was walking at an almost 13% clip, striking at a a 14% clip. 107 WRC+, only three home runs, and 211 plate appearances. However, I think that Curtis Mead is talented enough. Like he he didn't have the best stats at AAA that you want to see from a top tier prospect. But I like the idea this time of year, just like adding any prospect that you can with intrigue because the waiver wire is so thin. Like, are you out here trying to add whoever is replacing Jamer Candelario, Jake Alou, or whatever his name is? Or would you rather add like Curtis Mead? and just seeing if something can click with him in Tampa Bay's lineup. Yeah, I mean, and it's almost not fair to Curtis Mead to reference his full season statistics, Clay, because he played all of April, and then he got hurt. And since he came back to AAA on June 30th, he has been nuclear. An 8% walk rate, a six, or I mean, an 8% strikeout rate, a 16% walk rate. He's hitting 355 with a 460 on base percentage and a 538 slug. That's good for a 998 OPS in AAA. I mean, good God. that Those are video game numbers for Curtis Mead. So absolutely, Clay. I think giving that context, I would be, I would not be opposed to picking Curtis Mead up and seeing where he can take you. That being said, 
I don't know how he'll translate to the major leagues immediately. A lot of prospects struggle like in the first hundred plate appearances when they do come up. So I'm not like running, running, running to the waiver wire to pick him up. Like, don't feel like you need to drop somebody that you trust already. But yeah, man, if you if you just want to take a flyer and see if he performs down the stretch, I mean, this Rays lineup could desperately use a, a, a jump from somebody because they have been really, really struggling for the past month even past two months, they've really been struggling. So I think, uh, yeah, Curtis me could really be a bit big help to this lineup and, and to fantasy lineups. I wanted to talk about Lars Newbar because he's starting to look right. Clay. That's I've your guy. Really excited. I love Lars Newbar. I was big on Lars Newbar coming into the season. I actually traded Paul Goldschmidt in the keeper league before this season for uh, Lars Newbar and Tyler O'Neill. That trade doesn't look too good right now, but, Goldie is probably not keepable after this year. So it was kind of like a rental um, option. But Lars Newbar is starting to look right and starting to make me look right. He's hitting 315 with a 976 OPS, seven home runs, seven doubles, two stolen bases, and 25 runs in 30 games. That's since July 1st. That is really, really impressive. That comes along with a 13% barrel rate, a 112 max exit velocity, so all, all that being said, I'm super high on Lars going into 2024. Super, super high. Nine multi-hit games in the past month and change since since the beginning of July. Um, and he already has three in August. Uh, you know, this is a guy everyone was hyping up before the season. And um, rightfully so. There's a lot of intrigue. And I think he was getting dra- maybe a little bit too hyped up. And he's a talented player, but I think that people were drafting him a bit higher than I was comfortable drafting him. And now we're starting to see it kind of come together. I know that he had some injuries sprinkled in there as well. Um, Missed a good part of June, I think, if I remember correctly, the beginning of June, maybe. Um, And he's looking much better. So, yeah, this is a good pickup, um, especially because outfield, man, even in my 10 personally, like it's looking thin. It is looking thin at this point of the year, as all positions are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Lars is getting right at the right time. I, I'm actually very excited for his 2024 value because he did struggle mm-hmm. earlier in the year. So I think his full season statistics won't look amazing. But knowing how he finishes this season going into 2024, he will he could be a really nice sleeper target once again. I mean, that's getting Lars Nupar again as a sleeper would be amazing. Um, I want gotta, to say... Yeah. On the St. Louis Cardinals here. And talk about a guy I know that you probably won't like, and that's Steven Matz. Now, he was bad. He was just bad in the beginning of the year. Like, not like absolutely awful, washed, what a miserable player, but pretty bad. Came back after an injury. Since July started, he uh, was working back up into his starting role. He's actually been pretty good. Last Outing was six innings, four hits, no walks, no runs. Outing before that, six innings, five hits, no runs. Um, in his July starts or outings, it was only a two run, zero run, four run, one run, zero run, zero run. He was doing like kind of a three innings here and there at the end of June. Like he's just been good since the beginning of the season. And he's coming back into the starting role, and he's he's looking pretty decent. And in terms of just like a depth starter who can get you through until your next injury, 
uh, comes off of, or excuse me, your your next pitcher comes off the injury list. Like I kind of like Steven Matz, four hundred six ERA on the year, like perfectly fine player. I think he's more than more than perfect, more than just fine. Clay. He has a one point six nine ERA and a two point seven eight FIP since entering or since coming back into the rotation. That's five starts. And what's most impressive to me about this run for him is a two point eight percent barrel rate. That's two barrels and five starts for him. And I think that that's what separates Steven Matz from the bad Steven Matz and the good Steven Matz is when he's not giving up hard contact, he can be lethal, but he has had home run issues in the past. But right now he looks really dang good, Clay. And I agree. This is a really good find. I mean, you've you've come to this show two weeks in a row with some bangers like Ken well, Maeda last week, and he's still pitching really well. And now you bring Steven Matz like fire me up. I don't want to interrupt you the back and forth flow, but I'm just going to give you my last name because it, it all get fit it. in here. Let's get it. Jack Flaherty is my last name. Here. Oh, no. And I'm not entirely sure if I'm ready to pick him up, but it has to be noted. It has to be noted. His first start in Baltimore, 97 miles per hour on the fastball. It's averaging 93 this year. What in the world is that? And it was a good start. I mean, he went six innings of one run ball, only two walks and eight strikeouts. I'm not saying run to the waiver wire. I'm just saying keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it here because what if he's just somehow like out of St. Louis and now he's ready to be good again? In July, across all of his starts, two walks, two walks, three walks, one walk, two walks. He's no longer having those five, four, six walk outings. Hey, man, I'm not saying he's back to what he was nine years ago. I know that's an exaggeration, but everyone makes it sound like it was last year. He was amazing or something. No. Who knows, though? Change of scenery, new team, much better team, too. Maybe you can steal a win, a quality start here and there. Watch list ad. And I hate that I agree with you. I absolutely hate that I agree with you here. He has been good. He has a 2.78 ERA since July 1st, a 3.83 FIP. And if he's throwing 97 mile an hour fastballs, because he throws like that fastball that has cut to it too at 97, that's nasty. He had eight strikeouts against the Toronto Blue Jays who have not been hitting righties well, but I mean, I don't think anybody's going to hit 97 with cut well. So yeah, sure. I'm for it. Pick him up as a speculative ad. Pitching is a disaster this year. You might as well get a guy that you know can put up quality starts and definitely some wins for you on a good Baltimore team. So, yeah, a change of scenery is probably what's best for him. But, geez, I hate that I agree. <laughs> um, Coding Bellinger has changed his game this year, Clay. Came into the All-Star break with a 298 batting average, nine home runs, 11 stolen bases, and a 17.6% strikeout rate. That 17.6% strikeout rate, that's down from 27% across the last two seasons. Completely changed the game this year for him. But coming to the second half, I was a little worried because I, I thought there could be some regression in here. He hasn't been hitting the ball super hard this year. And I just, I, you know, it's only one half. Let's see if he can do it in the second half. And what has he done in the second half, Clay? He's taken it to new levels. He's striking out 9.9% of the time in the second half. That comes with a 373 batting average, seven home runs, four stolen bases, 16 runs, and 22 RBIs in just 21 games. 
And you know what? Honestly, my favorite thing is that he hasn't been hitting the ball super hard this year. It's clear that he's put an emphasis on making more contact instead of less contact that might be a little harder. And it's working. It's paying dividends for him. He's pulling the ball plenty and hitting home runs to the pole side in Wrigley. And man, I'm excited for Cody Bellinger moving forward. If this is the guy we're getting, if he's striking out 10% of the time across, you know, 75 plate appearance sample, that's crazy. Last year, he was in the 13th percentile in K rate. And this year, it's the 88th percentile in K rate. Um, What a good signing by the Cubs. And I'm not a Cubs fan being a Reds fan, but I hope that they sign him and I hope that they keep him because they deserve it. They were willing to. Shout out the money for it, and it's paid off. Um, a super talented player. Do you, off the top of your head, do you know how old he is? 27. 28 years old. Feels like he's been around for quite a while for a 28-year-old, does, doesn't it? Um, it's kind of it's like that Juan Soto thing, where like in 2035, Juan Soto is going to be like 26 years old. Um, it's unbelievable. Every time I see his age, he's like 24. I'm, I just don't believe it. But Cody Bellinger, man, has been so, so good. Um, there was a trade in my league earlier this year that was really interesting. It was Shane Bieber for Cody Bellinger straight up. And this was back in May. And I think both were had questions about the players. Both had similar past and whatnot. Um, you know, the outlying metrics on Bieber, like what's going to happen with him? You know, Velo's going down and whatnot. So uh, I thought that was such an interesting trade to like, monitor the rest of the year. And Cody Bellinger is looking like He's so legit right now, not crushing the ball or anything, but like you said, man, he's still productive and Cubs are playing good baseball. The Cubbies are playing really good baseball, man. Staying on the Cubs wave. I want to talk about a Cubs outfielder that is basically been Cody Bellinger light this year and and could be a, a really nice deep league ad. Mike Talkman. If you'll remember Mike Talkman back in 2019, he hit 13 home runs with a 277 average with the Yankees. And the Yankees were the Yankee fans were very excited about the future of Mike Talkman. Like they really thought that Mike Talkman could take over as a mainstay in that lineup. Well, he definitely did not. He hit very poorly over the next three seasons. And now he finds himself in Chicago as a Cub. And in 61 games this year, he's hitting 276 with an 805 OPS, six home runs. 13 doubles and four stolen bases that comes with a 20% K rate, a 12% walk rate and a ton of line drives. So I think he is, he is definitely a, a viable option. If you're in like a 14 team league, 16 team league. Yeah. He, um he was a guy when he was with the Yankees and kind of bounced around and he went to the giants afterwards. And I thought he was done like, 30, 31 year old. He was in the KBO last year. I thought that was it for him. When I saw that he was coming back, I was writing the preseason article about the Cubs and I saw his name and I was like, okay, they can't be serious about Mike Talkman coming in and, you know, being on their roster. And here he is just hitting well and producing. He hit uh, 289, 366, 430 last year in the KBO for what it's worth. Um, okay. So, Pretty decent stats. Yeah. I mean, good snag by the Cubs once again. Um, I got two more names to talk about, and then we're out of here, Clay. I just wanted to touch on Chris Sale really quickly because the Red Sox have mentioned that they're open to being creative with how he comes back. So that could mean that Sale could start as not an opener, but like 
pitch maybe the first three innings and then maybe a, a right-handed pitcher like Nick Pavetta piggybacks off of Sale. Um, so I'm not sure that it, when Sale comes back, he's looked good in his rehab uh, assignment. He, he's been, you know, averaging 95 miles an hour on the fastball and, and pitching well, but I'm not sure that they're going to stretch him out to five, six, seven innings out of the gate. So I'm not sure how big of a help he'll be in fantasy right away, but I still don't think he's a terrible speculative bat. At what point is he going to be the Red Sox closer? Like, is that a next year thing? I don't think he'll ever be a closer. I'd be so sick, man. I think he still has it, man. I think he still has it. Get a little bit more on the fastball, all that movement, just junk. I would love to see him closing games just in terms of just the aesthetics of Chris Sale being moved to a closer's role would be kind of fun. But it would be like Randy Johnson closing games. Like, yeah. yeah. It would Um, be fun to watch. Last name that I really want to talk about is Bobby Miller. Dodgers rookie, right-handed pitcher. He throws flames, 100 miles an hour, four-seam sinker, whatever. He's done well this year, Clay. 4.26 ERA, a 3.56 XERA, and a 3.99 Sierra on the season. Uh, but, but in four starts in the second half, he has a 3.72 ERA, a 3.17 FIP. And what's impressed me the most He's only walked two batters in 19 and a third innings, 2.4% walk rate. I mean, that just, that is so sustainable. If you're not letting guys get on base, free passes, you're going to have so much success in this league. And that comes after, you know, across his first six starts, he had, he had uh, three straight starts where he walked three guys since then he's only walked, he's walked one in four starts and zero in two starts. So like, Really, really impressive transition for him. Um, what I'm also impressed with about Bobby Miller, and this is this goes into to how he's going to attack batters next season, is all of his secondaries are nasty, dude. Slider, 29% whiff rate. Guys are hitting 262 off of it, but with no power. The curveball, a 42% whiff rate. Guys are hitting 156 off of that pitch. Then you have a changeup. With a 37% whiff rate, people are hitting 138 off of that pitch. And the fastballs are really just doing just enough. But he's not throwing them too much. 45% usage across the sinker and the four seam. And they don't get whiffs. And they do let up some damage. But his ability to use the secondaries is very important. That's my question. Is what is the concern about the whiff rate on four seam fastball whiff rate? Um, 16% sinker whiff rate right at about 15%. Is is that something that you see as concerning? I think it it is absolutely concerning if he was throwing it more. If he was throwing those fastballs like Like combined usage 60%, I think I'd be a lot more concerned. But the fact that he's throwing them, yeah, um, you know, 45% usage combined, I'm a lot happier. And I could see him actually decreasing the usage even more. I wouldn't mind if he got both those pitches down to a 20% usage each and you throw a bit more changeups, a bit more sliders, because the slider's at 90. It's a 90 mile an hour slider. Um, so yeah, I think that that as he develops, he'll be able to get more comfortable with those secondaries. But the fact that he's throwing you know, five pitches consistently. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of success. And I think that allows him to have a really high floor clay. Like I don't, I don't see Bobby Miller ever 
blowing up in your face because he doesn't walk guys and he gets plenty of whiffs and bad contact on those secondaries. And it's still hard to square up 99. Like it's still hard. No matter if you're not getting whiffs or not, guys are not squaring it up. Totally. Um, He's not giving up a ton of long balls on those pitches. So really, really excited about what I've seen from Bobby Miller this year. And just wanted to comment on that. You got any more for us today? That's it. That's it for me. Sweet, dude. All right, that'll do it. Just Fantasy Baseball. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed. As always, adios. Adios.